Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Roberto here from The Expeditioners. I'm a photographer, videographer, show host, explorer, avid outdoorsman, and night sky lover. And tonight I'm chatting to you about something that I dearly, dearly enjoy most about all the adventures that I take. And that is about watching the northern lights dance above us um, on so many different occasions uh, in so many different colors. So tonight I'm chatting to you about what really is and are the Northern Lights, some myths about them, my best recommendation for where to see them, what to wear, and when to go. And, um, and that's about it, basically. Um, I've got a few destinations that I go back to time and time again. And you might be saying, but what does this fellow know about the Northern Lights? Well, I've seen them on over a hundred nights. And a big part of this is thanks to spending so much time uh, in the outdoors. So if you peruse our social media, you'll see that we spend uh, hundreds of nights uh, under the sky. In it. So much so that I named my eldest boy, who's five years old, Mikio Orion. Orion, after the constellation, obviously. And then my second daughter, which is three years old, her name's Catalina Sofia. So she doesn't have the name in, in, in uh, celestial name in her name, but she's my little Aurora. And, uh, and I was really considering naming her that when she was born. So I still call her that. And my third uh, daughter is Ariella Cassiopeia after the W-shaped constellation in, in the sky. So it means a lot to me. So I'm happy to share it with you. Hi, Pauline. Nice to have you on board. Very excited to have uh, someone that's from the industry uh, in the outdoor travel as well uh, on here. So the Aurora Borealis is really an atmospheric phenomenon that's the holy grail of sky watching. Um, people know that it's very beautiful, but very few people know that it actually has some negative effects on electronics and satellites, uh, particularly when it was to reach very high levels. Um, basically what it is, is the, the sun ejects, um, has these um, events uh, primarily from the corona area where there's explosions from the sun and these solar winds are charged particles that reach up to 45 million, I think it is, 45 million, or, uh, which would be like 75 million kilometers an hour. <laughs> That's how fast. And scientists don't really understand how this actually happened. So there's a lot that even NASA isn't aware of, and they're actually sending a, a satellite, I, I believe, in the next couple of years to explore more around the corona region of the sun to understand more how these explosions happen. But basically, when these solar winds hit our atmosphere, they interact with the particles in the air. So um, certain particles, I believe like oxygen, will, uh, when, when they hit each other, these particles create the color green. And when you hit nitrogen, you create red. So when it hits different areas of our atmosphere, it creates different colors, which I think is pretty neat. It's primarily, you'll see them in green, sometimes in white, sometimes in uh, purple, uh, sometimes in pink, sometimes in red, but primarily, primarily uh, in green. All right. So I'm going to kick off a little bit uh, aside from, yes, the science behind them, to telling you my number two place to go 
uh, to see the Northern Lights. And uh, that would be Iceland. So I've just returned from six weeks there. I've spent six months, six trips a month and a month to a month and a half each time there. And I've seen the Northern Lights there on average about six or seven nights out of uh, 30 to 40 nights that I would be there on each trip. Now, take into account that Iceland is an island. So you've got a lot of cloud cutter, uh, cloud cover. You've got a lot of condensation in the air. And that makes for um, a more, hmm, how to say this, limited uh, experience of the Northern Lights. So I was outside uh, on this trip with, with my mom and seeing the lights. And she was like, oh, yeah, I could see them. But ho-hum, you know, it doesn't really look like w- what it looks like on your camera. But on the fourth night, um, we were able to see them and they were a bit brighter. Um, and she really, she was wowed by them and, and, and in awe, but on my scale, that would be like a three or a four compared to what I've seen them in other places, like, uh, the Northwest Territories, but I'll get to that later. Um, so, so in Iceland, yes, you can see them. Yes. If you have a clear sky, you'll be, you'll likely be able to see them. But the thing is the sky ain't very clear, very often there. Um, Also, because there's a lot of humidity, that means there's a lot of water particles in the air and these water particles make it that you have less of, uh, they're a bit more faded when you see the lights. Also important to take into account where the moon is on its phases, because the brighter it is, the less, the less you'll see them. Now, one really gorgeous thing about seeing the lights in uh in iceland is that you have this topographical depth to the images that you take as well as to watching them so if you're standing in front of a massive waterfall while at the same time the northern lights are going above this creates a a really neat nature uh feeling and and connection to the universe Uh, you know anybody will feel it (laughs) you're just like in awe um that's that's quite unique um that being said, I have been there sometimes 12 days at a time and not see them. But on other occasions, like on this trip, I was there from October uh, 20. No, I was there from September 28th to November 1st or November 5th, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and we saw I saw them on eight different uh, occasions. So Iceland, great spot for it. Uh, lots of depth. Uh, one of the neatest places to see them if you're there is called Jokulsarlon Lagoon. This is the glacial lagoon that's uh, famous for uh, icebergs floating around that calf off uh, a spectacular glacier and then they they become small and chunky as they reach the ocean and a lot of them with the tide get thrown back up onto the beach which is then uh, known as Iceberg Beach. Excuse me, just have a glass of of wine. Um, And um, and so really, really neat. Uh, I've, I've seen them there in winter in January as well. Take into account in Iceland at around two or three o'clock. You've got very little daylight in January, February, March. So uh, well, January, February, particularly in late and late December, obviously, is, is the peak of it. Um, so so you have lots of nighttime and that, that creates more opportunity to see them if uh, if the skies are clear. But take into account. Iceland isn't always that clear when it comes to it. Um, really neat. Where does the Aurora Borealis name come from? It comes from uh, Galileo, who coined it because of uh, naming it after the Roman goddess of dawn, Aurora. And, uh, and then he intertwined it and combined it with uh, the Greek god for the north wind, which is Boreas. 
And that's why he said, you know, this is the Aurora Borealis. And really neat that he chose the North Wind because obviously he would see them almost always when they were in the North. And therefore uh, he, he, he named it with the North Wind. And the reason is that when the particles hit our atmosphere, the, our magnetic uh, atmosphere sends them to the poles. And that's why we see them uh, in, the, in the north. And that's why you turn north to see them. So really neat uh, aspect at, at that. Um, basically, another thing is people don't really know that you can, they're always happening. So the Aurora Borealis is pretty much in, in particular places always going on, but obviously it requires the night sky um, to be able to see it to the naked eye. A few tips on if you want to capture them and you're like, hey, I'm not sure if is that what I'm seeing in the sky is you'll want to bring uh, your iPhone these days even can can take some pretty interesting shots to know if the lights are coming and if they're going to get brighter. So from my experience, they, they start on a, a lighter haze in the distance. And then as they approach you, kind of like a wind in a way, um, they get brighter and brighter until they sometimes are right above you and sometimes all around you. Um, and that's... Uh, one of the neat things to, that's important is to bring really some warm, warm, hot clothes because the nights that tend to be clear are obviously the nights that the temperatures drop a lot more because there's no cloud cover to create uh, heat and warmth between, you know, between the clouds and the earth. So, um, so if you take your phone and your or or a digital camera, uh, basically you take a slow shutter uh, with it pointed at the sky where you think you're seeing the lights. And usually, usually you're not sure because that's how faded they are at the beginning. Um, and then, and then you'll be able, if you see a green tinge, then stick around because uh, they can get quite, quite bright as you see them on on your uh, on the pictures that you've seen of, of other people taking them. Right? Um, what else? Uh, yeah, I think I told you already that uh, red is nitrogen when it hits, and green is oxygen. Um, there's these myths, and uh, they're pretty funny. Uh, when we were in the Northwest Territories, uh, there were a lot of Japanese people and Chinese groups. And someone said, oh, yeah, they come because they believe that it creates fertility. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then we asked that. We asked a few people. We're like, hey, is that the true? And they giggled and laughed and said, uh, no, but we are on our honeymoon for the, a few of the couples. So, <laughs> so there you go. Um, they, they say that a baby conceived under the Northern Lights will be beautiful and lucky. Well, um, Science <laughs> says that uh, that doesn't have too much involvement, right? But <laughs> um, it, that it'll ease the pain of childbirth. Um, and if they turn red uh, to to beware and run away, war and bloodshed is coming. Um, so obviously, these are all the different ways in which people traditionally would look up at the sky and associate it to whatever's going on in their lives and say, hey, this is the connection. Um, and time to go fishing. Yes, people in northern Sweden believe that the northern lights were created by huge shoals of herring in the northern seas and that a spectacular showing meant bountiful catches were coming up. So a few of those, uh, those myths, now we know. And thanks to a fellow, what's his name? His name was Berger. He was uh, Norwegian. And he's the one that figured out... Um, that that had the hypothesis of uh, the northern lights are charged particles uh, coming from uh, from the sun, but unfortunately, uh, his name was Christian Berk Berkland, and he was a Norwegian scientist. and uh, 
And in the 20th century, he theorized that electrons emitted from the sunspots uh, when they would hit our atmosphere would create these colors. Unfortunately, he died before being proven right. <laughs> That's too bad, eh? <laughs> History has too many of those stories. Um, so what's the next, you know, my number one place to see the Northern Lights is the Northwest Territories in Canada. And I've been going there on, I've been on about five different occasions. Um, my lady, Expeditioners Bella, or Shireen and I would go and we would do a big sea kayaking trip on Great Slave Lake. And this lake is uh, a few hundred kilometers long and it's uh, and it reaches and touches a point uh, of Yellowknife. So we would put our sea kayaks in there and then we would paddle for uh, a week or two and then get picked up by float plane um, at the other end of where we had paddled to. And the, the landscape in, in, in that area is... It's just short trees, very flat, very rocky, turning into tundra-ish. So on that side of things, it's not spectacular. But at 5, 6 p.m., when the blue sky comes around and does making the fire and I've put the kayaks up and the tents are up and we just sit down, coffee in hand and watch the light show begin. And one of the really unique things about the Northern Lights in the Northwest Territories is if you know at what time of year to go, which hint, hint, nudge, nudge is September, then you you see the Northern Lights with a blue sky backdrop when the sky isn't even fully dark. And that tells you how crystal clear the view is there comparatively uh, to other places. So Lady and I would... Uh, sit back with the fire and then watch the lights until until we, we just were so exhausted we had to go to sleep. So they're so spectacular, but they, sometimes they can go all night long that uh, that you're like, okay, I got to go to bed. Um, I leave time lapses up and time lapses are basically when a camera, uh, I leave the lens very open inside and that allows a lot of light to come in. And at the same time, I take a longer shutter speed anywhere from 10 to 30 seconds. And that allows a lot, all the light from the image to come in so that when the Northern lights are even light, you're still able to see these pretty incredible time lapses that the human eye can't see, but that was actually going on. Um, and then in September, uh, is it's really the best time to go to Yellowknife because there are no bugs. Um, the temperature is very nice. It's about anywhere from zero to 10 degrees, sometimes 15. You still have a little bit of a Indian summer batch week somewhere in the in September that tends to uh, make it feel like summer. And, and the light show is just unbelievable so um so another business that that i have with a partner is that we're guiding trips around the world and so we've got a trip in september to see the northwest territories um and we're we've got two sections to the trip and really it's going to the essence of what uh my lady and i have loved doing over all these years and it's a canoe trip picked up by float plane to go watch the Northern Lights. <laughs> so, so if anyone's interested, just, yeah, don't do send me a message. It's going to be uh, something, an experience of a lifetime. I can pretty much guarantee you that you'll have the light shows uh, of your life. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's one of the, one of the trips I'm doing. And, and that's because I've been doing that for, 
for many years. So I was telling you that I was going, so with Bella, we would go sea kayaking and we did this expedition and get picked up by float plane. Then uh, we'd normally spend about a month in the area. Um, and then we would do trips with the kids where we're canoe tripping and same idea. Um, so, so really the sky there, you, you feel like you're going to get picked up by a spaceship at any moment literally <laughs> uh i've got an, a sony a7s2 camera and i have videos on it that if you go to my instagram stories uh not instagram stories instagram reels and you go all the way to the near the beginning you'll see a video that i took which is handheld meaning it's not a slow shutter speed uh photo it's video and you can very clearly see how they're pulsating and and wrapping and ribboning uh all over the sky in in the most tantalizing of ways uh that leaves you uh jaw dropped so number one place in the world hands down uh to see the northern lights uh is the northwest territories um one of the problems at the moment with the Northwest Territories is that it is closed. <laughs> it's uh, literally, I think, the only part of Canada that isn't accepting anybody to go there at the moment for non-essential travel. That being said, we are hoping that that will be uh, lifted by September. And if not, uh, have a contingency plan uh, to be in northern Alberta which is similar area, frankly, by a couple hours, um, where you'll see a similar light show. But I prefer to go to the Northwest Territories. Um, one of the, the you know, easiest ways to see the Northern Lights if you're a family and uh, don't want to take a massive flight out to Yellowknife uh, is driving. But it is a fair distance to go from Calgary or Van Vancouver. I think it's about 2,000 kilometers from Whistler um or so and um and we do it with the airstream um and we go up to a, a campground which is really really neat called prelude lake campground uh and from there there are spectacular areas to to watch the northern lights just skip and dance across across the sky um Definitely, yeah. Most definitely, my fa favorite place in the in the world to see them, and and for the trips that we're going to be doing uh, upcoming, basically we we fly into Yellowknife, we go around uh, the town, exploring and seeing um, a lot of uh, things created by natives and and lots of art as well. Um, my lady and I particularly like going to some particular uh, shops where they make. Um, bags for babies made out of seal fur and um, all sorts of neat moccasins and, and all sorts of really, really unique pieces um, that we tend, tend to get. And then from there, we would uh, we fill our canoes with gear, uh, food, sleeping bags, uh, mattresses and all, all that. And we'll be paddling out across uh, a few lakes then we do what's called a portage, which is where you empty the canoe of all the gear that's inside. You carry it for 500 meters to three kilometers, depending on the portage that we're doing. Uh, and then you drop it at the other end and then put everything back in the canoe and then on you go. Um, one of the places we've got planned where Bella and I have camped many a time is an island. And, and so you get this 360 perspective looking out all across the water um 
seeing uh, the Northern Lights dance. And and when you're on a calm lake, watching the Northern Lights uh, is is really unique because you can see them reflecting into the lake. And if you're taking a time lapse or a video, you're literally just watching this Northern Light reflecting on the water, dancing uh, voracious, just incredibly. Um, and and that can go on for for hours and hours. Um, another few neat things, you know, they say that people have the the first time I think it was recorded. Uh, that we know that humans recorded uh, the Northern Lights um, is a painting in a cave in France 30,000 years ago. So that's, uh, that's a pretty big distance, but obviously they've been going on uh, for, for forever, much, long, much longer than that. You can also see the Northern Lights from other planets. Um, I'm sure some of you might have gotten online and seen what they look like from the space station. That's definitely a perspective that obviously we can only, for most of the people on the planet, only imagine um, because it's, yeah, most of us are going to space. Although it'll probably be much more common with all the uh, changes coming up thanks to Elon and Galactic. <laughs> um, uh, would you go? I think I'll, I'd definitely go on a short trip. Uh, now that I have kids, I don't know if I'd go on a long trip. People you know, say, would you go to Mars? I'm like, ah, I don't know. Uh, with the whole family thing, uh, might be a bit more more complicated. Uh, what other neat things can I tell you? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's about it on those two destinations. There's a few other spots, obviously, in the world that, that are quite spectacular uh, to see them. Uh, Fairbanks, Alaska is known to be one of the places that people like to go watch the Northern Lights. Um, where else? Uh, I believe Tromso, Norway. That's another one that uh, that I've heard a lot of people like to go. And there's a few ho hotels or cabins that have glass ceilings. Actually, there's one in Iceland as well. It's called Panorama Lodge, I believe. And uh, they're little uh, glass cabins so that when you're in the bed, you can see the Northern Lights shining above you. Um, throughout throughout the night, it's it's quite unique. But will you have them on the night that you're paying the six or seven hundred dollars to stay in that place? That's a good question. Uh, Svalbard, Norway, is another spot that uh, that people love to go to. I've never been to Svalbard or Sweden, but I have been to the Northwest Territories like six or seven times. I've been to Nunavut. I think I've seen them in in Nunavut or Nunavut. I've seen them in Quebec. I've seen them in the Northern States. I've seen them in Whistler. They were actually quite, quite bright here the other night uh, in Whistler when there was a big solar, solar eruption. Um, there's websites also that a lot of people like to go uh, look at. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm skeptical uh, because we just tend to be outside. And so a lot of people would say, it's, oh, it's a, it's a six tonight. It's going to happen. I just like to be camped out of my car and I look out. And if they're out, amazing. If not, then, then go back in the tent. <laughs> um, but, and also, I guess the other reason that I'm skeptical is a lot of people have said, particularly when we were in Iceland, they're like, oh, I did, did you see the Northern Lights? And I show them a time lapse that I took. If you actually go back uh, on the last, I don't know, 20 posts that I've done on Instagram, uh, a lot of them are Northern Lights time lapses from this last trip to Iceland. And, uh, and other tourists often ask me, they're like, hey, um, how, how did you know they were going to go out? I saw the, the website and it said that it was a low rating possibility. 
So, so I didn't go out and I said, listen, I've, I've never, I rarely look at the website. Uh, I think it's most important to just uh, go out on a crisp night. And if it's a clear sky and, and you're waiting out for a few hours, you'll tend to find uh, something to surprise you. Um, warm clothes is a big one, obviously, uh, to go see the Northern Lights. It does tend to be uh, cold. There's a, it used to be a myth that you could hear noises when the Northern Lights are going. But uh, apparently, scientists have recently started to be able to measure that, and they have no idea why. <laughs> they, they basically don't know um, what's doing that. Um, in more recent Italian history, also, it was uh, seen as a harbinger of, of doom. Seems like uh, that just follows the trend line of our <laughs> the history of our society, where whatever we don't understand, we make up something for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and there's one of the neat websites, of course, is the Geophysical Institute. Um, that one is, from what I hear, uh, pretty reliable. Um, and yeah, I think that's like the best I can do tonight on telling you a little bit about uh, the, the Northern Lights. Um, I'm hoping that this trip will, will happen if, uh, if yes, so a friend just texted me. Yes, you can go. <laughs> you know, you can text me on the app. You don't have to text on the, <laughs> on my WhatsApp. Um, yes, you can go, uh, see the Northern Lights in deep winter in places like Yellowknife, um, Tromso, uh, but it will often be about minus 20 Celsius or minus 30 and I think even sometimes minus 40. Uh, I think Celsius minus 40 and minus 40 um, Fahrenheit come to the same at that point. So so it's really cold. And so standing outside for hours on end is a lot trickier in temperatures like that than if you go into the Northwest Territories in September when you're between 0 and 10, 10, 15 degrees sometimes um, to, to wash the skies. Um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's about it. Uh, Inuit legend had it that the lights are spirits playing a, playing ball with a walrus head. Um, Vikings thought it was light reflecting off of the armor of the Valkyrie. Uh, warrior maidens who, who would take the warriors to the afterlife. But I think I've mentioned some of these things. <laughs> so anyways, I think I guess it'll be a uh, short-ish episode tonight. Um, I'll, I'll take you on a a few stories of my experiences uh, seeing them. Um, one of my, my very, very first night seeing the Northern Lights, I'm in Northern Quebec. I've driven from Montreal in an SUV with uh, my buddy Kaitsu. And the goal was to just drive as north as possible and find uh, lakes that we could uh, paddle and explore. Um, and it was I think it must have been about minus 15, minus 20 that night. And uh, we went out uh, to build a little fire. Uh, we made, we, we cooked our meal. The skies were, were pretty spectacular. And then the lights started to shine and we went ballistic. We're like, oh my God, the lights are going. God, we're finally seeing them. And they were quite bright. And so we were taking pictures for, for the majority of the night um, and one of the pictures that we took is <laughs> me standing kind of like a pharaoh 
looking out uh, with the lights shining, shining behind. And, uh, and that became the logo for the expeditioners for many, many years, actually. It still is, but we're looking to change it. <laughs> and, uh, and it was bas- basically my black silhouette, um, dark silhouette in with the contrast of the, of the lights going on all around me. Um, so that's one of the neat, uh, that's what the first time that I ever got to see, to see the Northern lights was in, in Northern Quebec. I think the first time that I saw them, uh, with my lady was canoe camping, um, in Laverandre or Papineau Labelle. Then we saw them in Yokultsadlon Lagoon, uh, as well. And that was unique because seeing the icebergs dance around in the water, um, it was something quite quite special, um, and then and then of course there's the aurora australis, which is the same thing as the aurora borealis, but uh, but the particles that hit the lower regions of of the planet are then sent to the southern hemisphere. Now I don't know if anybody has taken time lapses uh, of southern skies compared to the northern skies. It's quite different, you know. It's uh, the stars have different colors sometimes, and and the the constellations are different, obviously, depending on the time of year and where you are. Um, but I've never had the opportunity uh, of seeing them down there. Um, where else would be a spot to go? Tromso, I think I've mentioned that. Norway as well. Um, Whistler. Oh, some photographers that I might uh, uh, recommend for for you to check out. Uh, there's one in particular, Dave McComb. He loves taking uh, northern light shots, and and he shoots them in in Whistler, and sometimes even from uh, Vancouver Island, where he lives now. And uh, and his his images are absolutely uh, wondrous. For time lapses, of course, just kick over uh, to our Instagram and whatnot. And I think that will be a wrap for today on everything Aurora Borealis. Um, Number one spot, Northwest Territories. Number two spot, Iceland. Uh, make sure to bring your camera, warm clothes. Best to do it if you're camping. Um, go in September if you can. Come on our, our trip if you want. And uh, and definitely just uh, enjoy, enjoy a fire and watching the night sky. Hope you enjoyed this evening's show. And we'll see you next time. Good night. <laughs>